Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Hello, good afternoon, or good morning, or good evening. Hello. Where you are. Hello. Hi, this is In Conversations with Hannah. I'm Hannah Weisberg, and I have a special guest with me today. Her name is Shana Goldberg. She's going to talk to us a little about her um, her story, her story of having a miraculous child, the challenges that went through, the struggles that she encountered, and what it was all like, and what her life is like now. So, Shana, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit to us? Sure. First of all, thank you for having me. Um, I'm, I live in Chicago and uh, grew up, for the most part, here. And, you know, in, in the Chabad community, uh, to a Chabad family, and, um, yeah, went through the system, except, expecting, you know, to have, uh, to build a beautiful Jewish family with lots of kids, and uh, life doesn't take you always where you expect it to go. So right. I guess you got married and you expected children pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, and what happened? So, um, yeah, we got married in 2010, and um, after a number of months passing by, um, you know, we saw nothing doing, and I wasn't too too concerned. Um, you know, that's probably fine and normal, and you know, just kept moving along with life. But after, I guess, um, you know, I don't know exactly how long it was where we started to think, you know, maybe we should see a doctor, maybe we should find out if anything's going on. And I also started having um, just like really wonky cycles, and um, that kind of alerted me that that uh she got this you know, checked out sure. right um and that kind of started our journey which continued for the next couple of years um going from one doctor to another doctor and trying to get to the bottom of what was going on that was preventing me from having children and um were you worried at that point i was definitely um upset that it wasn't going smoothly. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess worried, you know, worried, like impatient. Sure. <laughs> you know, when is this going to happen? You know, and is this going to happen? And what's it going to be like? Um, and, you know, it's, it's all the highs and lows of like building your hopes up and then they get dashed and then you build your hopes up and they get dashed. So yes. the frustration that comes along with, that the ups and downs of that journey. Sure. And I guess seeing yeah. everyone around you have what you are hoping for. Right. Right. Yeah. So we, um, when, when we started, you know, touching base with doctors specific, you know, to this field, um, they ran like a number of, you know, batteries of tests to check that, you know, check all the basics. Um, and they didn't find anything that they could pin it on, you know, of why was what what's going on. I also went the natural route, trying to look into different herbs and different, um, you know, Chinese medicine to try to, you know, give a more balanced, you know, approach to it. And things weren't smoothing out. Mm-hmm. My my cycle is still very irregular. Um, and 
we couldn't really pinpoint what was going on. Hmm. Um, and that was very stressful, stressful to be um, like going through that and also showing up to life and, you know, doing your job and keeping your house sure. and, keep, you know, so at some point we, um, we moved to Chicago. We were, we had been living in New York um, when, when I got married and then we moved back to Chicago uh, where I grew up and continued here with another doctor. And um, we were already at that point going through IVF, trying that route. And um, IVF wasn't, wasn't really doing it for us either. And around that time when I had, um, when I was having yet another IVF cycle, um, it was, it was pace off time. And, um, yeah. And my father told me one day we were, we were by my parents' house. My father said, you know, I had an interesting dream last night and I want to tell your you parents, about it. Your parents in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. My parents mm -hmm. in Chicago. So my, my father, you know, had this dream that he wanted to share. And, um, so the dream went like this, that my father was in his dream going by the Rebbe for the famous dollars you know, there was a line and he sees himself in the dream going in the line to get a dollar from the Rebbe. And that's something that he had he had done. He had gotten to um, have that merit of getting dollars from the Rebbe before. So here he was in his dream and he comes by the Rebbe and he asked the Rebbe for a blessing for us to have children. And in the dream, the Rebbe replied, I'll, I'll say the Hebrew and then explain. So the Rebbe replied in Hebrew, Yeshever b'mitzrayim. So that is a quote from the Torah passage where, um, where the brothers went down to Egypt and Yosef was sending them down, uh, Yaakov, their father was sending them down to Egypt. And the, the purpose for sending them down was to get grain because there was a famine in the land. So he tells them, I see, I feel that there's hope in Egypt. Mm -hmm. You know, so literally that there's hope that he'll... Um, you know, that they'll be sustained by the food there. But the sages teach that there's an underlying message that he um, didn't realize what he was saying, but there was hope in the form of them finding Yosef, finding their long lost brother. So back to the dream, that's what the Rebbe told my father in the dream, there's hope. And um, that was the end of the dream. So what do you do when you hear such a dream? You know, first of all, um, in, you know, in Hasidus, we give, or, you know, in, in uh, Judaism, we give, um, what importance do we give to a dream? So we say that if, if a righteous person, a tzaddik appears in a dream, then that's meaningful because they are, they are masters over where they, where they come and where they choose to show themselves. Mm -hmm. So there's some importance to having a tzaddik, a a righteous person in your dream. So my father's telling me this story. I say, okay, you know, there's importance to that. Um, the Rebbe is saying there's hope. So that's a beautiful message. But okay, how, you know, I guess how just you, wait, wait to see. How, right. How right. <laughs> right. You know, what am I going to do with that? And um, so we just kind of put it away in the back of my mind. And um, 
going back to we're finishing this IVF cycle and it was unsuccessful. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so we met again with the doctor and he was trying to think of, think of other options to bring to the table. And he, um, he didn't have anything to offer us. In fact, um, we had, you know, I can still picture the room and that meeting where we, you know, I came in with my husband and he sat us down and he said that, you know, we've tried everything there is to try in the medical world. This was, this was all I can do. And there is not really any, any chance that you're going to have a child. Uh, You know, and I'm sorry to tell you that news. And, um, you know, he just really said it like that, like you're, you're not having any kids. So move on with life. That must've been devastating for you. (laughs) So it was definitely, you know, it's not, not pleasant. pleasant. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'll say, I guess going into that meeting, we kind of, I guess, you know, based on other, you know, we kind of saw it coming that Hmm. there wasn't anything else to try after that. So it wasn't so much a surprise, but it was still like that, you know, hammer of like, we've tried everything and there's nothing more to do for you. So, um, you know, good luck. Wow. Um, Shattered. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and at that point, you know, we came home and, um, yeah, I was just, I was done with, with looking for more venues. It was kind of like, I just need a break from all of this. Um, we had been working with an organization that helps, um, Boney Olam, who helps to facilitate, you know, um, finding the right doctors. And they, they were pushing me, you know, to let's go to a new doctor, see if another doctor has something to say. And it was just very, um, you know, you're, you want to do, and you also have the emotions to deal with. Like, you just need a, you need a break. Like, so I, draining, I can't do this. Really draining. Absolutely. Right. 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 And, um, you know, and, and they were saying, well, time is ticking. You're not getting any younger. If we are going to try something, we have to try it now. And, but there isn't anything to try. What are we going to try? So um, they suggested that, you know, there was another doctor in New York that they can get an appointment for me. Um, and, and maybe he would, I don't know, have, have something else to try. Like we weren't really sure like what else there is to bring to the table even. Um, but maybe just to get another opinion. So we, we, we scheduled that appointment and that appointment was going to be for another, in another four and a half months. So this was already like, um, summertime. It was the beginning of the summer and, um, we weren't going to have that that appointment till after the um, high holidays, mm-hmm. until after you know after Sukkot, after a few weeks after. So I said, okay, we did our job of you know doing you know doing yeah. what we can, yeah. and like you know we we signed up for another appointment, and now I could just you know take a breather and digest and kind of re refocus. You know where am I headed? What am I what am I doing? Sure. Um, so then comes an interesting twist in the story. We um, comes the high holidays and um, we were living in Chicago. My in-laws are in Seattle. So we were going to fly to Seattle for part of the holiday of Sukkot. And then at the end of 
the holiday, we were going to fly to New York to experience being in the hub of, you know, in the hub of Crown Heights for the last days of the holiday. That was always my favorite time to come and get inspired by all the energy that that's there on Simplastora. Sure. The so, dancing and the joy so much. Absolutely. Right. Right. Nothing and nothing like it. And, and I for sure needed it, you know, now more than ever. After what you, you know? Sure. Yeah. So it was going to be a big, you know, three point trip, Chicago to Seattle, to New York, back New York, to Chicago. Um, so we get to Seattle. We had a beautiful first days of the holiday. And then um, we were going to fly out a Saturday night before um, the last days of Simcha Torah start. So we get to the airport. There's a lot of red eye flights that happen from, you know, West Coast to East Coast. So we have this red eye flight for 12. Um, get to the airport and it's like very quiet in the airport and very um, empty. So we come up to the ticket counter and we can't find anybody there at the ticket counter. And we can't um, find anybody to talk to. Like, what's happening? Do we have a flight? Like, you know, where is everybody? And then we see one of the flight attendants leaving. And we stopped her and said, look, where's our flight? It's, wow, isn't it supposed to take off in a little bit? And she said, we don't have any flights right now. And it, as it turns out, and I don't know how this happened, but um, we had booked a flight for 12 hours earlier. We <laughs> we mixed up the AM and the PM. Um, and our flight had left 12 hours ago. Girl. And here we are um, without a flight. So... Um, we don't have much time because if we want to get to New York before the holiday starts, you know, we can't, there's only a limited amount of time that we can um, get onto another flight in order to get to New York on time for the holiday. So we asked, do you have another flight? No, we don't have any flight going out before, you know, 12 tomorrow, which won't get us there on time. So what are we going to do? Um, and my husband said, you know, well, I guess that's a sign we're supposed to be here and add joy to the holiday here. And something was just pulling inside of me that said, like, no, we we made this decision. We are going to be visiting Crown Heights and really visiting the Rebbe, because when we come to the Shul and to go Dauphin at the Ohel, the gravesite of the Rebbe, that, you know, that's... um." We're visiting him, right? And I said that we already wrote a letter and told him that we're coming. We we have to go. I really feel like, you know, there's something there for us. Okay, but there's no flight, you know. So we went this back and forth while my brother-in-law was coming to pick us up again from the airport and bring us home. And um, we went, meanwhile, to the other ticket counter of a different um, airline, and we asked, like, how much is it to book a flight, you know, for four hours from now um, to leave at 7 a.m. and, or what, you know, whatever the timing was. And they told us it was a very exorbitant amount, you know, to pay for a, a ticket on the, on the spot. So back and forth, we didn't really have that money to lay out. And in the end, we just decided we're going to we're going to take this leap of faith. We're going to jump. This is something, you know, we said we're going to do. We want to do it. And it's going to give us inspiration I just felt like I have to be there. There's something for me to 
there's blessings that I need to collect. And um, we did it. We, we um, found someone to lay out the money and we booked a ticket. We slept for a little bit and came back to the airport and uh, flew to New York. And we got there on time, not, not with so much time to spare, but we got to New York on time and um, had a beautiful, uplifting holiday in New York. And after the holiday finished, we went to the Rebbe's Oihel, to, to um, the resting place of the Rebbe. And we come in, if anybody's familiar with that, when you come into the, there's like a, a, a welcome, welcoming center because there's so many people who visit the Rebbe's Oil, the Rebbe's resting place. So there's a welcome center there. And when you walk in, they have um, just a constant video playing of different clips from, from you know, experiences of the Rebbe, right? Talks that he gave and um, for bring-ins that he had. So when we walk into that visiting center, I looked up at the screen and the Rebbe is giving a talk uh, on um, intermediate days of Sukkot. And the words that are on the screen are, are talking about Yosef. And the words that the Rebbe was saying was, Yosef li Hashem ben Acher, that when Yosef was born, why was he named Joseph? Because his mother wanted to thank Hashem and ask for additional, uh, an additional child. She wanted um, Yosef li Hashem, Hashem should add to me another child. Um, and so when I saw that on the screen, I said, like, that's the blessing that I'm coming for. I'm coming mm-hmm. to ask for children. And um, with that, we went in and we sat down to compose a letter. And that was really what I wrote in my letter that, you know, we've been going through all of this and please give us a blessing to have children and it should also come naturally. And, you know, I really don't want all of the intervention and all of the um, invasiveness of, of, um, you know, treatments. So um, we went in, we gave, we spent a long time praying and we came out and as on our way out, I looked up again at the screen and it, the video had recycled back, you know, cycled back to exactly that same, those same words. And again, on the screen, it said, Yosef li Hashem ben Acher, that mm-hmm. Hashem should bless me with a, with a child. Um, and I just, it just made me feel um, calm, confident that we did the right thing. We made this leap of faith to, you know, push ourselves to get here and, I feel like you know we we accomplished something here. So we come back home to Chicago, and it's about that time where we're going to have this meeting with the, with the doctor that we had scheduled months earlier. And um, we we were meet. I just realized this was a this wasn't a doctor in New York. This was a doctor in Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. Okay. There was another doctor in New York. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so so we got in Chicago, right? That you were gonna yeah, see. Yeah, right. So we get there and um, we sit down at the table. We're we're, you know, we're talking with him about our whole history and what we've tried and what what um what does he think? And he didn't really have anything to put on the table then, but he said that you know I'm gonna think about it. I think maybe if we try with a little bit of a different protocol, um, we can look at IVF again and. And then um, he he said, "Why don't you come back to me when your next cycle begins, so that we can, you know, 
make a make a serious plan. Okay, so we go home and um, we're waiting. And remember, it's very irregular. And um, so it's, you know, it's normal to be waiting a couple of weeks and um, a couple of weeks pass and another couple of weeks pass. And we're wondering, well, maybe we should just go to the doctor anyway, like what's going on here. And just to rule it all out, I decided to take a pregnancy test at home. And um, I literally like threw it in the garbage before looking at it because like, you know, and uh, it caught my eye that it was positive. And I said, wait a second. Um, I called the doctor and he said, yeah, that doesn't, you can't really trust those. It doesn't really make any sense. Um, Why don't you come down to the clinic and, you know, to our office. So I said, that's like a real schlep to come all the way down and for, you know, Um, Can I just do some blood work closer to home? So he directed me to a clinic closer to home where I could do some blood work until I got those results. And they said, it's positive. I'm expecting. So I called the doctor back up and he said, something's not matching up over here. Um, I want you to come down, come down, downtown to my office and let's really check this out. And um, so for the third time, we, you know, tested um, tested positive and we were expecting and I was sitting there in the office while he's waiting you know to give me those results and I'm using my time to learn the daily portion of Chumash for the day as it's divided up in the week Um, and I see that the portion of that day's Chumash as I'm reading the words I see it's the words yesh shever b'mitzrayim that there's hope in Egypt the same words from my father's dream wow wow that's amazing. <laughs> was the doctor shocked that you were pregnant? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were <laughs> didn't make any sense to them. Um, and uh, yeah, wow, yeah. That's an amazing story. And so you went through the was the pregnant was the pregnancy so uneventful? It was an uneventful pregnancy, a beautiful natural birth with yeah. no complications whatsoever. What a miracle! a real miracle. Um, in fact, she ended up being born at my daughter ended up being born at home because I just didn't, it was going so quick. I didn't get to the hospital in time. So (laughs) really smooth the whole way through. How, how old is your daughter now? So she's eight now. She's eight now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you, when you mentioned the story to me, you said the story didn't really end there. What did you mean by that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So um, it's funny because my husband likes to share the story a lot. I've shared it a lot less. Um, It's very personal, you know, and um, it's it's still a journey as in um, like, you know, so she was born, thank God, and now we want more, you know, and it's not finished. And so we've continued to see doctors and speak to, you know, any different resource that we can find. Um, and that's, that's still a process. And at the same time um, is again, you know, you're still continuing to live your life and thank God now be more involved in, um, you know, raising my daughter. And there's, I guess this extra push that like when you have a child then you know, you also want the best for your child. And so like, I want her to have siblings, you know, so 
you're, you know, you're carrying all of these things and, um, yeah, and the so journey, what, the journey doesn't end there. It's, you know, a beautiful miracle story. And, um, then you have to, um, continue to. It's interesting. Cause so often we hear these miracle stories or not so often, but when we do hear them, we think that's it, you know, and they lived happily ever after, but there's real life after that. And in the real life, you want that Yosef Hashem li You want another child. You want another child with to be a, a sibling to your daughter. So how, how do you right, how right. do you how do you grow from that? How do you deal with the challenge? And how did you deal with the challenge all those years that you were waiting for her to come? And yeah, what are your feelings and emotions now that you that you're feeling and that you that you how do you overcome those struggles? Right. So it's like almost two different stages. It's like the before she was born and then the after she was born. Um, I'd say so while, you know, while we were still waiting for this miracle to happen um, and just starting out our journey of infertility, we I, I read an article, just, you know, an article that I, I um, picked up in a magazine and I remember it was an article about a woman who was going through infertility and the article was trying to bring out how, how, how um, people have to be sensitive. And um, the way that they were bringing that out in the article was like showing her thoughts and her feelings and like all the triggers that were happening to her throughout the day. You know, when this sister-in-law said this and when this family party happened and, you know, so it was really bringing out from her perspective, all of the pain and all of the triggers um, and I guess it was supposed to bring light to the fact that, you know, we need to be sensitive to what people are going through with infertility, right. but, um, I really didn't like the article <laughs> and, and it struck me that, um, all of that, I guess it was looking at it. It made me look at it from the outside of look at how her family has to walk on eggshells around her. And her friends have to walk on eggshells around her because she's so sensitive and, and granted that those are real feelings. And, you know, my, myself and many people, you know, feel, could feel that way and be triggered that way. But like, why should it just gave me this perspective of why should my pain take away from your life? In mm -hmm. other words, like this is my journey and you have your journey and there's valid ups and downs in your journey. And like, why can't I celebrate your beautiful family that you're growing the challenges that you're going through? Um, and like, why should my journey take away from your journey? Interesting. Yeah. Like, sure. But do you think that people should be sensitive in some ways? In other words, is there right things to say or wrong things to say or actions to do that, you know, to be aware of that someone is going through such a journey? So, um, yeah, there's a lot of, I, I think, I think people, people do share a lot about, about, um, you know, how we need to be sensitive. And I don't think that there's one way to really be sensitive aside for, um, you know, gaining knowledge, like really learning about what that means. Um, I guess I'm looking at it from my perspective, like, 
I can't control what other people are going to mm-hmm. say or do or how much they know, how much, how sensitive they can be. Like I can't give anybody, um, I can't make them sensitive. Right. Um, you can only you know, do it if they're, if they're not. Right. So, so like, you, like so you chose my, not to be sensitive when things triggered you or when people said things that maybe they shouldn't have. Yeah. I guess I, I took that perspective as a tool that, that um to really, step out of my, you know, like, um, if I'm all enwrapped in my pain and I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing the other, you know, the other side of it, then, um, I'm losing out because I'm, I I could be involved in their life and and I can see and be a support to them. Like just getting out of myself a little bit. Um, and then I can deal with the pain in a very different way. That's very big that you're able to step aside from your pain and just see their joy and really appreciate their joy, you know, really, really live with their joy, really be happy for them without looking at your own pain at the same time. Thank you. I I like, you know, and I don't want to say that like, you know, there, there is the pain there and it's something that I definitely, you know, have to work through on my own. But again, like I want to, I want to have um, an open relationship with my siblings, with my friends. And if I'm, if, you know, if they're afraid to tell me that, um, you know, let's say my friend doesn't want to tell me she's expecting because she feels like, oh, what is she going to, you know, it's going to be hard for her to hear that. Then like, then you're that's not an open relationship. Up. I'm, I'm yeah. losing out on that relationship. And then I'm very, really limiting myself. Um, to who I'm going to be close to, you know, who I'm going to be friends with, I guess. That's a very interesting perspective. So how do you deal with the pain that you are, that you do feel or the challenge that you do feel? Yeah. Um, So I guess choosing that perspective and really like keeping true to it, trying to tap into it whenever the going gets tough. Um, I guess another tool is seeing the, Hashkacha practice, the divine providence that leads us, like letting it guide me um, in my life. So um, trying to think of like an example. Yeah, how would that translate? Right. Like um, when, when you know that everything that God is doing, he's doing for a purpose, right? And he's doing it. It's all part of this bigger picture. There's, there's purpose in my journey. There's purpose in, in what I'm going through. It's the design that's, you know, set for me to, to grow. And, um, like if I really lean into that, then, um, then I can maximize the growth that, that I'll gain from, from what God is giving me. Hmm. Um, that's a a little bit of another idea, but going back to like the divine providence is like, um, so anything that God sends my way, if if the bigger picture is part of his um, part of his plan, then every detail is also part of his plan. So the fact that I heard this piece of news yesterday and then that ended up helping me to, um, you know, the next day for something that I needed to know or a resource. Like, for example, let's say, um, you know, we were asked to often people um, when they have a, a bris for their son, a circumcision. So they'll offer the, the honor of carrying the baby in. They'll offer it to a couple 
that is waiting for the breath of the blessing of children. So we get that a lot, uh, like, you know, um, and so somebody asked us once to, um, to have that honor, take that honor. And I really wasn't feeling up to it. It just wasn't, uh, um, I wasn't in the mood, shall we say, of, of, of it. And, and it ended up that they really like, they really, um, were counting on us. So we ended up showing up and, uh, doing our part. And then it happened to be that, that being there at that bris, my husband sat down next to somebody who had a conversation with him, which led him to meeting another doctor who has been really helpful to us right now in, um, you know, this next part of our journey. So like seeing the, the divine providence in, in every step of the way really helps to remind me that, you know, God cares about me. It's not a, it's not a, a uh, this challenge is not a, um, you know, a punishment, so to speak. It's an opportunity to grow and to be closer to God. So the more I open my eyes to that and see how he's giving, you know, looking out for those signs, the more encouraging it is to me and, um, and, you know, to, to grow from it. That's beautiful. I mean, you really have to be open and receptive to seeing those signs and seeing, and you're interpreting those signs in a beautiful way. That's very growth oriented. Do you ever get angry at God? <laughs> um, I mean, I feel like angry is a very strong emotion. I don't, I don't usually, uh, I guess you're not I saying, like, <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know. I don't get angry. Um, but it, it could feel Eventful, like, um, upset with God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's definitely those times where we're like, you know, this wasn't part of my plan. Like, that's not how I wanted it to be. And like, why, you know, yeah. those questions, um, I, def- I definitely tackle those questions. And what, what do you do um, when you feel that way? Like, how do you, how do you handle those questions? Yeah. Or those feelings, yeah. those emotions. Right. Right. So it's really important. And, you know, I'm, I'm learning this as I go along, but it's really important to, on the one hand, acknowledge those emotions, um, you know, respect, give space for, for, you know, those are valid emotions. And, um, you know, just like anybody dealing with grief to, you ha- you have to be able to, um, acknowledge that as part of the healing, um, and I feel like this is this is also a journey that takes, um, you know, there's there's a, a loss, a loss of my expectations, a loss of, you know, what I dreamed of. So when I encounter those emotions, I have to acknowledge them um, and that that's OK to have them. But then the question is, what do I do after that? You know, mm-hmm. and it's so easy to sink into that and start feeling self-pity and to start feeling, um, you know, just, um, not, and not, and not a place of like being energized and, and, um, purposeful. And it's not, it's not a good place to be in. I think we'd all agree, you know, to be like depressed and feeling down. So, um, I don't want to be there. And I, and I guess, you know, pulling on those perspectives again to, to pull me out and pulling on the purpose that there is. And, and um, I find the best way to get out of that is to 
to do something for somebody else, to, to um, reach out to somebody else who might need um, a listening ear or reach out to just do a favor for somebody. You know, we're like look, looking from the outside, getting out of my own narrow, you know, narrow uh, situation, situation perspective. Um, yeah. Well, it sounds like you do that a lot. In other words, you know, you, you, you wanted to experience the joy of another by not focusing on yourself and you're doing that in this way as well. You want to just go help another person rather than focus on the negativity of your situation. I think that's, that's a beautiful way of, of dealing with it. That's really, that's really special. Yeah. I, I think that, that, um, I don't know if this is for everybody, but like, I, I think growth is very exhilarating. It's very, um, it's very fulfilling to, to grow. You know, I remember when one time I went, um, caving, if you've ever done it, it's, um, caving, you know, caving. So you put on, you know, a helmet and clothes you don't mind getting muddy and you really go into the, you know, belly of the earth. You're crawling through small spaces and little openings um, it's, it's a very interesting experience. Um, yeah. And, um, I remember one moment being, um, you know, while I was, while I was caving going, having to get through a small space and I felt like I couldn't do it. And I started like tensing up and being fearful. And, um, when I was able to like, you know, catch myself and say like, well, I want to do this. How am I going to do it? I want to push myself realizing that like, I wanted the challenge. Hmm. And if I want the challenge, then like, you know, wanting the challenge in order to like grow from it. Right. So I have to get myself into a mindset to be able to accept the challenge. Cause if I'm fearful, if I'm, if I'm, you know, stuck in myself and shut down, I can't. So in caving, literally, like if I was tense, and fearful, I couldn't go through that hole. But as soon as I got myself into a different mind space and relaxed, I was able to just slide through that hole and get into the beautiful cave that was, you know, in the next room. So the same thing with other challenges, you know, um, when, when you actually face the challenge and decide I want to grow from it and like be vulnerable to, to, uh, grow it's a really rewarding experience and um it brings you places where you didn't think you can get to before hmm. so i guess yeah. uh that's my motivation <laughs> wow so, what what message would you like people to take from this um a good question i think um i, I definitely want to say that that um i'm not um putting down anybody's journey everyone has challenges and that's um you know not going to be the same as me or they're not going to take it the same as me but um i hope that that can you know encourage other people to learn about different ways that they can you know new perspectives that they can take on and and um have the courage to face the challenge and grow from it and mm. and not not feel down or alone that um you know, you have this challenge, but it's, it's an opportunity for you. That's amazing. I, I guess we sometimes feel just so overwhelmed with the challenge 
that we can't see out. And you're saying find a way to see out and see beyond it and use it as a growth experience. So just kind of accept it at one at some point so that you can just not be so tensed up and grow from the situation. Mm-hmm. In other words, like pe- what people will tell me and, you know, I get this sometimes like, you know, like it must be so difficult and it's so hard. And, and like, yes, that's true. Right. But, um, but I'm very happy with my life. I'm so grateful for what I have. I mm-hmm. feel, you know, like I have a beautiful marriage. I have a beautiful daughter who I'm having so much joy from, and I have a community. I have friends and opportunities and fulfillment. Like, you know, I, I don't have to just be stuck in that self-pity and, you know, there's something I can make out of it. That's even, you know, more rewarding. Beautiful. Wow. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us. Shana Goldberg. Sure. Shana, I hope we'll have a, a, another interview with you in which you will be blessed with all your heart's desires and more. And Amen. may the miracles continue and may you continue to shine your beautiful light and your beautiful perspective so that we can all grow in our respective situations, no matter what challenges or struggles we're all going through. Thank you so Amen. much, Jaina. Thank you. Thank you.